So much to dive into here on a Monday afternoon. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko recapping what was a massive football weekend. The NFL was back. We have week two of college football and some top teams going down and some programs, I think, really making a statement. So obviously a ton to dive into today. We'll talk Falcons and Jaguars. What was a unbelievably bad weekend for both of those first-year head coaches, first-year quarterback, had a, I guess, okay game for the Jaguars there and Trevor Lawrence, so we'll dive into that. But, PJ, it was a huge weekend in college football. I want to start up in your neck of the woods. Hey. The Big Ten. Why is that? Because the Oregon Ducks, led by Mario Cristobal. Oh, yeah. And a former Penn State yeah, that offensive coordinator, yeah. Mr. Moorhead. Mm-hmm. Came in and ran all over Ohio State. And a lot of people were kind of surprised by this. I was not one of them because I remember Moorhead back at Penn State. And dude had no problem running the football in Ohio State. Did no. he have Saquon Barkley? Sure. Yep. But even when – who's he there with Miles Sanders as well? Yeah. Yeah, yep. so, I mean, dude had never had a problem running uh, against Ohio State. I think the thing that you saw that Oregon defense do that we haven't seen a ton of teams do against Ohio State, which is – they just kept their foot on the pedal mm-hmm. the entire game and just never relented. And I think a lot of that, too, had to do with the fact that you had a freshman quarterback in his first real big game going up against Oregon. Uh, and C.J. Shroud there kind of struggled down the stretch. Some turnovers uh, costed Ohio State at the end. But, man, that that kind of shuffles the landscape, I think, a little bit. doesn't inherently infect the Big Ten because Ohio State can still win out and win the conference. But I do think it changes the landscape of college football because now all of a sudden we were looking at the Big Ten as like, okay, it's the SEC, and then it's the Big Ten in terms of college football playoff contenders. Now I think it's the SEC and a big question mark for every other conference. Yeah, it's it's completely reliant on – well, I think I'd still put the Big Ten there with with a a foothold in front of a lot of people. But, I mean, not – not that big of a foothold, you know what I mean? I mean, you have Oklahoma in the Big 12, and basically that's that's kind of the biggest. Uh, Oklahoma, well, even Iowa State lost this weekend. So you right. really have, like, Oklahoma. Uh, you have one major team, I think, in in the Pac-12. Really? And, I'd say two. Really? I think UCLA and Oregon. Yeah. I think yeah. UCLA is legit. Like, I like UCLA. I'd, I'd put them right underneath Oregon, but... With, with Oregon not only doing that against Ohio State, but also doing that against Ohio State with some of their best defensive playmakers yeah, Kayvon out. Thibodeau, for those of you who didn't Woo. watch, Kayvon Thibodeau, who a lot of people consider the best player in college football, yeah. clear top five pick next year, kind of that Von Miller level hype coming out of college. For sure. He's, uh, he was out against Ohio State. So, him, yeah, they, they won without him. Uh, flow in the secondary. Yep. I mean, he's, he's a pretty good player as well. So um, I know what you mean. Now, before, like, I picked LSU when they went out to UCLA because I didn't necessarily truly believe in UCLA yet. I believe in them. I believe in they're a contender for the Pac-12. I would still put them, though, as as solidly, like, in the second slot there in the Pac-12 underneath Oregon. Well, I mean, yeah, but, it's really just those two, right? Because USC got housed by a bad Stanford team. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I kind of stumbled over that. Stanford. Stanford didn't go right. out there and, and smack them around. But, you know, yeah. it's a bad Stanford team. The trees. Right. Taking down the Trojans. So, I mean, th- I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at is the clear contenders, I think, from a lot of these conferences haven't really shuffled out, right? Like the Big Ten, Ohio yeah. State just lost. And a lot of people thought maybe Wisconsin's an undercard there uh, in the Big Ten. 
They got beat by Penn State week one. Yeah. And I think handled for the most part. Because I think Penn State could have beaten them by more scores. So maybe Penn State all of a sudden is becoming a dark horse in the Big Ten. They're going to have a big matchup coming up against Auburn to prove how legit they are. I'm sure you're excited for that one coming up this weekend. But you look in the Big 12, Texas goes to Arkansas and just gets shellacked. Mm -hmm. That was their worst loss since Charlie Strong's last game. Yeah. Tom Herman never had a loss that bad. No. And it was... It was I don't want to get the date wrong, but it was the first time in a long time that Arkansas had a top 15 non-conference win. Yeah. So I'm looking at the it looked big... impressive, too. Yeah, and I'm looking at the Big 12, and I'm saying, okay, who's the contender? Because not only did Texas lose, Iowa State lost. Yeah. To a Big 10 school. It's really just Oklahoma. So, that, I mean, but I, it's I like... Mean, but you're looking at Oklahoma now, and you're like, Oklahoma can't trip up. Yeah. Because they probably won't have the resume then at the end of the year. Even if they do win, they wouldn't have the resume to say... Oh, yeah, they're clearly one of the top four teams. Notre Dame. Yeah. They, so they, they usually have a pretty easy path to getting in, and they're number eight, but you almost lost to Florida State, a team who we'll get into in a second, and then you had to rally the troops against Toledo. You needed heroics from, from Cone. Correct. Yeah. Like, he had to get his finger popped back in yeah. to throw the game-winning pass. So, I mean, it was a wild weekend, but I just think more so than ever, we're seeing, I guess, I don't want to say parody, because it does feel like Ohio State and Oklahoma are still the top contenders to get into the college football playoff, but it feels like there's more chaos yeah. this early in the season than we've seen in a while. Yep, no, I I'd agree with that, and I think it's exciting. I I love seeing it. Um, hopefully, we see even more of it. I, I mean, I saw someone. I, I forget. I don't want to get the name wrong. But I I saw someone uh, tweeted before the season like, "Here comes our next 2007." I, I don't know. Why they would have called that? I'd love to talk to them. But um, someone someone mentioned that, and I was like, "Man, if this is a year like that, I am like strapped in with my popcorn. Can't wait for it." And so far, start, starting off the season with all the upsets, with all the close games and the overtime games that we're seeing, it's it's looking like it could go in that direction. Now, Alabama is still at the top, and like you said, the top contenders are still like I don't see a lot of people competing with Alabama. I don't really see a lot of. I know you're gonna you're, you're gonna want me to walk this back a little bit and not get too excited. I don't see a lot of people competing with Georgia until you get into the SEC championship game. I mean, I the, got a lot the, of question marks at Georgia. The the top is still pretty top heavy, yeah. but everything from, I mean, three down to me looks kind of like mm -hmm. it it could be crazy well, it's, and it's, wide it's open, the, and I love it. It's the thing I always go back to with with rankings, right? They're like, why is this team ranked number nine? Because someone has to be. Yeah, like I mean, sure. the the rankings to me ha have always been kind of a misnomer in, in their significance inside of college football. This early in the season, too. right? Like Absolutely. it's like okay, Texas is number fifteen. Well, they just got smacked by Arkansas, so yep. and Arkansas was unranked. Yep. Right? Is Miami? I think Miami came into the season as a top fifteen team, got bombed by Alabama, and then almost lost a a good App State team, but almost lost to App State at home. Yeah. So like. Uh, and so they were ranked like top 15 and then number 22. It's like, okay, what are they? It's like, uh, rankings to me, it's just, it changes on such a week to week basis. I, I, the only two for sure things I know about are Alabama is real. Yep. Like they, they haven't missed a beat and nope. Georgia's defense is real. Yes. I still have Completely. concerns about Georgia's offense. And I want to talk more so about Georgia coming up uh, in the next segment, but I do want to dive into some, a couple other games. Arkansas-Texas was nuts. Yeah. Because it wasn't close. No. And a lot of people thought, okay, Arkansas is not as good of a team as Texas. 
because we saw what Texas did last week against what everyone thought was a good Louisiana team who, again, I'm going off on like my like my connecting strengths thing here. Yeah. And yeah. I know that the transitive factor isn't huge in college football, but it just it can kind of show you. Everyone, I think, read too much into Texas handling Louisiana because we all thought Louisiana was really good. They were a top 25 team to start the year. Look at what Louisiana did this week. I know I'm sure not a lot of people watched. They had to scratch and claw to beat Nichols. Yeah. I, and I so mean, Texas comes to town, had just beaten a good Louisiana team. Billy Napier is one of the hotter coaches uh, in, in terms of uh, one of these Power 5 jobs coming up, and the head coach there at Louisiana comes up to Arkansas. Everyone's talking about the rivalry. Could this be a precursor to what we see coming up when Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC? We haven't seen this one in a long time. Fayetteville's rocking. Yeah. Right? It's just it, it's they're, they're losing their minds, and all of a sudden, they're just dominating. Mm-hmm. running for over 300 yards. And I was kind of having flashbacks just because of some of the numbers the running backs were wearing. You got a running back wearing number five. Yep. You have a running back wearing number 20. They, you got, have a, they got the like old school uniforms yep. now too, which a, I love. Yeah, by the thank way. God they went back to that. The switch back to that and yeah. Texas A&M, I'm yeah. like, yeah. I love seeing uh, that. South Carolina too, I think has done a good job. But yeah. uh, don't get us on a uniform tangent. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, but, uh, but Texas comes in. They got their quarterback. That a lot of people are like, wait, this guy's starting? And right. the offense just could never get going. And I think Sam Pittman keeps trying to point us at this and we're not paying enough attention to it. Barry Odom did a good job at Missouri as a head coach. They won a lot of football games, got let go because it just was starting to get closer to six and seven mm-hmm. wins than eight, and nine wins a year gets let go and immediately gets picked up by Sam Pittman as his defensive coordinator. Right. And Barry Odom is one of the best defensive minds in college football. I think he's going to get a head coaching job again soon, and deservedly so. If not that, then he's just going to keep getting pay raises and deservedly show from Arkansas. But Sam Pittman, every game, tries to point us at that. Like, we have a really good defensive coordinator. Like, he's like, I'm an offensive line guy. I'm going to hand the reins over to my offensive staff for calling the plays. I'm going to be more of a uh, CEO. Like, I'm in charge of the program but in terms of offense and defense he lets his guys work and Barry Odom's done a really good job and they have some really good players on that side of the football Catalan's really good bumper pool is really good so do I see them winning nine games this year probably not could they compete for seven or eight absolutely based off of what I saw but I just thought the atmosphere was fun uh you had uh the AD for Arkansas standing on the sideline Arkansas actually put out the video and a state trooper comes up to us and goes it looks like these these kids are about to rush the field. And yeah. AD goes, yeah, no, they are. And he's like, he's like, I would rather us just let them come on in a safe way. He's like, versus trying to stop them and somebody gets hurt. And he goes, I'll True. pay the fine. Yeah, yeah. I'll pay the fine. That's I thought awesome. that was awesome. Yeah. No, that's incredible. Uh, first, first of all, I, I could argue, I could kind of argue the fine uh, for, for a while either way. But, no, I, yeah. I think that's incredible. Like you said, having the, the wherewithal and the just the – being able to acknowledge and notice that that was about to happen and take that stand on it and yeah. take that stance on it instead of uh, trying to you know risk a, a little bit too much injuries, things like that, with trying to get them off and, and keep them off. Because right. it's, one of those, it's one of those feelings, too, and it's one of those energies that's not only like, yeah, just let us happen, but also, man, just enjoy it. I, I mean, that doesn't always happen. And, and having an atmosphere and energy like that, too, especially at – I mean, let's be honest. It's 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 Arkansas. They haven't been there in a while. They they haven't had a moment like that in a long, long time. That's actually something that I heard about a lot coming up 
into the Texas game, and I was like, I kept hearing the atmosphere is going to be rocking, it's going to be wild, and it's just I haven't seen a nighttime ranked opponent game type of game type of energy in Arkansas in so long, probably right. ever for me because I don't really watch Arkansas football. Let's be honest, that. I tuned in and I was like, man, this is insane. This is wild. They're getting after it. They're, they're certainly having an effect on Texas and what they're able to do offensively. And, of course, the defense was, was doing their thing also, which just got the crowd even more crazy. I loved seeing it. So, yeah, as you mentioned, just to, to be able to have um, take that stance on that and say, yeah, let, just let them do it. Let them have this moment. You don't know when you're going to have it again. So definitely enjoy that, and I'm right there with you on the Barry Odom thing as well and the defensive uh, thing as well there for Arkansas. If, if they keep harassing uh, offenses like that, they'll certainly be able to make an impact on, on this SEC season in some way. And it, this could be a team that maybe you have a ranked opponent. They're, they're playing later in the year, and it's either closer than you thought or they right. come up with an upset. And at, at the end of the like, that's the cool thing about college football and the crazy thing about it too is there's those teams in certain conferences like – I don't know if Iowa is is ever going to go on, you know, a five-year run where they're ranked inside the top five every year and competing for a national championship. But you know what? They're going to ruin someone's season every single year. You can bank on that. So I feel like Arkansas is kind of in this mode where they're getting to that now. They just ruined Texas's. So we'll Well, see if they can do that in the SEC. I feel like they can. Joe Tessitore said during the broadcast, it was like midway through the third quarter, maybe early fourth quarter. He was on the call uh, with Greg McElroy, and it was hilarious because you could just feel it. Yeah. You could just feel it in Arkansas. And they did a great job, I thought, with the checkerboard look inside the stadium. Absolutely. We had some fans wearing white shirts and the other fans wearing red shirts. But Tessitore, like, it's kind of like late third quarter. He just looks around feeling the energy, and he goes, Arkansas fans hate Texas more than they like themselves. <laughs> <laughs> And I was, that was I just, gold. That was, was great. I thought it was funny because I'm like, that's like, it's something we all think, and it's something we kind of joke about on Twitter or like <laughs> yeah. to each other. But just to hear Tessitore, Joe Tessitore, yeah, of all former things. voice of Monday Night Football, maybe the best voice in broadcasting period right now. Like, I, I understand there's different like, there's personalities that you like in broadcasting, but in terms of like pure announcer voice, yeah, I don't think anyone does it better than Tessitore. But to hear him say. Arkansas fans hate Texas more than they like themselves. I'm like, that's something we admit like deep down in our souls about our football teams, but we don't hear it verbalized much. I thought that no. was hilarious. Yeah, no, I thought it was incredible. And I thought the energy from from the Arkansas fans in that manner was great yeah. too, because they were all about like, Dude, oh, the, you, you want to come to the SEC? No. Okay, we saw all the stuff in the in the offseason about how the Big 12 was going to penalize teams for the horns down stuff. Yeah. The damn stadium on the scoreboard put up horns down. As they should. I and, love it. And that's one of those things, too, is I wonder like, when they come to the SEC, if they're like, uh, if Sankey's like, we don't care. I hope so. Or if Texas is like, we're the new kids, and we would appreciate it if <laughs> you would tell them not to pick on us. It's like, nah, man, welcome to the SEC. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. You don't, you don't get that kind of protection here. I don't we- know. Some teams do. Like, uh, you'll get flagged if you do the Gator Chomp against the Gators. Yeah. Which is so lame. So you can sack my quarterback and gator chomp in his face if you play for Florida, but I catch a touchdown and I can't gator chomp back at you? All I'm saying is you can't tell me that it just means more when you're not letting me do certain things to make fun of the other team. It's true. Okay? Because that's just, that's just how this works. All right? If it just means more, let me do something to make fun of them 
for doing a stupid gator chomp. It's true. Like, I'm not saying it's like, I, I think that, that's actually a pretty unique and kind of cool thing, but it's also hilarious and awesome when a kicker beats you with it and then comes back and does it to your fans. I think it's great. That's college football, man. Let's, it's, Let's it's, keep it. Yeah, it's beautiful. One's I, down all day. I, I, again, I don't I, even have anything wrong I, with like that, that. That I that I think is wrong about Texas, but horns down because I can't. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's like you're gonna go horns up. I beat you. Horns down. Yeah, whatever. I think it's fine. And if that, if you're worried about that, maybe you're playing the wrong sport. I'm just <laughs> sure. I'm just saying. But again, huge win for Arkansas. I just kind of want to stay in college football because I just don't want to look. You know, like you have I like stay in college football. You have that closet, and you know, like it's like I need, or it's like your garage, and you're like, I know I need to clean that, yeah. But I'm just gonna ignore it. Right. That's kind of how I want to treat the Falcons and the Jaguars, but I feel like we're responsible for talking about that, so we will talk about that at some point on the show today. But we're gonna come back. We'll talk Georgia UAB. Thank you. Uh, Georgia Tech gets their first win of the season. They take down Kennesaw State. Rough weekend for Georgia Southern as they get absolutely shellacked by FAU, and it's been a rough start of the season. Probably not gonna get any easier as the Eagles head up to take on the aforementioned Arkansas Razorbacks, who are riding a high right now. So uh, we'll dive into all that when we come back, and then you know, into the towards the end of the show, we'll we'll dive into what was just an absolute mess from the Atlanta Falcons and their supposedly offensive-minded head coach. We'll dive into all that coming <laughs> up here on second down. We'll come back. We'll we'll keep relishing in college football here on ESPN Radio after this. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. Georgia gets a 56-7 to win over UAB and just a completely overmatched Blazers team, but a good football team that Georgia manhandled there. Uh, Conference USA champs from last year, some talented guys on the line of scrimmage, uh, but Stetson Bennett, announced on Saturday that he was going to get the start. I guess I should say the team announced that Stetson Bennett would get the start on Saturday. And all he does is go 10 for 12, 288 yards and five touchdowns in a single half for the former Pierce County Blackshear product there. And the mailman delivered once again. Thought it was an interesting decision by Kirby Smart, but some of the reports started coming out. Carson Beck maybe didn't have the best week in practice. Went ahead and give it to the tried and true, and that's Stetson Bennett. And a bunch of games last year and a bunch of big games last year, Stetson Bennett able to come through with some clutch performances. So a huge day for the offense, especially through the air. We saw Jermaine Burton get wide open for a long touchdown. Brock Bowers, the freshman tight end, is really showing out for Georgia. And probably to me, clearly their best pass catcher at the moment. As you're waiting for other people to get healthy, I thought it was cool to see A.D. Mitchell uh, get involved. But as I mentioned, there are some concerns I still have with this team, and one of them is with the offensive line, specifically during run plays. I know a lot of people last week were like, oh, it's Clemson. That's not going to be every week. You're going to see some defensive fronts that don't quite look like that. And like, Yeah, that's true. You saw UAB, and you averaged about four yards a carry against UAB. Only problem with that is Stetson Bennett throw 20 yards in there for him. If you look at some of your running backs, Kendall Milton, 3.3 yards a carry. James Cook, 3.6 yards a carry. You did have Kendall McIntosh. He was at 5 yards a carry. And Zamir White, 4.9. But against a UAB team that you should be able to line up and run the football against, I think you're still struggling with a lot of those fits. And it wasn't guys missing assignments and dudes blowing straight through in the backfield. It was just straight up 
you couldn't move UAB's defensive line out of the way. Now, I do think some of that is what you go back and watch with the Mississippi State tape last year, and you kind of saw similar, similar results with JT Daniels is UAB just stuffed the box and said, beat us over the top. And they really didn't get away from that at all. And so it's going to be tough to run against that. But if you're the University of Georgia mm-hmm. and you're supposed to be a national champion contender, you should be able to, against whatever box they throw at you, specifically against teams of UAB's caliber, which is good but not great, you need to be able to turn around and hand the football off and do whatever you want against them. Yeah. Georgia wasn't able to do that on Saturday. And right. I, I still have, PJ, what I think are some legitimate concerns about the offensive line. It was Cedric Van Pran's second start at center. I think he's done okay. And then you saw kind of a rotation between some other guys because you are missing your right guard now, too. And so you've seen Jamari Sawyer start to slide over a little bit. Uh, Roderick Jones is starting to get some reps there at left tackle. So you've seen some shuffling at the offensive line. But I just feel like the run game the past couple of years – just hasn't been there and obviously maybe or or maybe we just got spoiled because when you're running behind Andrew Thomas and Solomon Kinley like you're going to get spoiled and Ben Cleveland but these past couple of years and I think the trend's continuing into 2021 the run game not what it used to be yeah and that's that's understandable though right because that's college football kind of in a nutshell you you progress your football team your offensive line, whatever grouping it is, you get those recruiting numbers up, and then it becomes the expectation. So if if Georgia, in their recruiting numbers and, and things like that, and recruiting rankings and whatnot, and I know that's not the end all be all, sure. But if they were down at ten, eleven, fifteen, things like that, you know, then I I would understand a little bit more. But you're getting some of the best guys out there, so you expect. You know, that kind of production. So I I wouldn't necessarily, yeah, I mean, maybe you were spoiled a little bit, but again, when you get spoiled, it becomes the expectation for your football team and and from your fans. But I'm I'm right there with you. I understand that. And again, like you said, seeing that in the Clemson game is one thing. Seeing that against a UAB team, which you expect to be able to move around and should be able to move around with the guys that you have, you want to see that. Especially in a game like that where you're going in with – not your starting quarterback. Right. So you go to your offensive line and you let them know, yeah, you might see a couple extra guys in the box today, but we need you to to keep pressuring and keep moving that uh, and, and, I, and reestablishing I, I will that say line this. of scrimmage. Again, UAB was stacking the box, and they had four or five guys down the line of scrimmage every time, like stand-up outside linebacker, then going four across the line of scrimmage. It didn't matter what formation Georgia was in. They had that many dudes down, and they had some big bodies. They have well over 300 pounds at pretty much every position across the defensive line. So they weren't, I wouldn't say, physically overmatched. Mm-hmm. But again, like you said, you're talking about the five stars. Yeah. After five stars that have come in, Sam Pittman recruited some, and now Matt Luke has started to recruit these guys. You have the five stars coming in, and they can't move anybody out. And again, Georgia ran the football, and it was all off tackle for the most part. Again, Stetson Bennett had 20 yards on one of his scrambles. And then beyond that, James Cook on his touchdown run, was swallowed up in the backfield yeah. and somehow Houdini'd out of there and scored a touchdown. That's his ability. Yeah, yeah but, I, I but mean, it's just like the point of attack, Georgia's getting neutralized by UAB. Yeah. And so I don't know if it's the scheme. I know Brooks Austin, he's going to join us a little bit later, said he was concerned because he saw a lot of double teams where Georgia had two, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, two guys, something just jumped up there. <laughs> I mean, no, Georgia we, had two no, guys on one guy. Start talking about Georgia offensive linemen and man. Just get choked up. <laughs> yeah. But no, they were double teaming and couldn't move them. Yeah. 
No, that's a problem. And so you're yeah. letting UAB defensive linemen eat up your double teams. Like that's what Jordan Davis is supposed to do to other people. Exactly. That's not what you're supposed to have your offensive line get stalled with. And Georgia has no inside the tackles run game right now. Yeah. Which and, and you, you need if you're yeah. going to have this big play action offense. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need it if, you, if you're going to have that type of offense, and you need it in the heart of the SEC schedule, which I know Georgia's schedule isn't insanely tough this year. I'll be and the it first, lays out I'll be the first person so to well that, for but, them because yeah. you have South Carolina coming up this week and then Vanderbilt after that before you have to go to Auburn. And that's where I was going to go. Uh, I mean, you have time. Like, at least we're seeing these concerns and hopefully – going to be able to address them in these games where I mean let's face it South Carolina and Vanderbilt those are those are make good games those are make your team better and and experiment with some things and do whatever you need to do to make sure you're prepared for the Auburns for the Floridas and whatnot because when you get to Florida you can't be having three or four guys in your backfield trying to tackle your running back because James Cook's not going to get out of that 90% of the time when it's a Florida defensive tackle or a linebacker trying to trying to tackle him. When it's a UAB guy yeah. or a South Carolina Vanderbilt, yeah, you, you can do that. You can get away with that. You can't against the, the heart of that SEC schedule. Not like, at all. Again, Georgia gets a big win on that one, 56-7. Defense still through two games has not given up a touchdown. The seven points came off a Carson Beck interception. Yeah. And so, honestly, the defense might be looking at the offense saying, y'all just leave this to us. Yeah, yeah, y'all take the day point, off because I mean now through eight quarters, you have outscored opposing offenses fourteen to three because Georgia had another yeah. interception return for a touchdown in this game. So uh, Georgia defense has been on another level so far. Uh, some impressive performances from that. Obviously, the defensive line did what the defensive line did. They actually healthy scratched Devonta Wyatt, so he didn't play in the game. Nothing physically wrong with him. Just didn't feel like they needed him in that game. Uh, Jordan Davis tracking down a quarterback. He's yeah. 340 pounds and like running down a quarterback who had scrambled outside. That was nuts. But I thought Keely Ringo. It's a stuff of nightmares. That's yeah, what that that's, is. That's, that's <laughs> horrifying. But I thought Keely Ringo and his interception kind of showed you how bright his future is because the receiver was running an all out go route, full mm-hmm. sprint, and he was kind of backpedaling yeah. and just staring at the quarterback the entire time. And it was underthrown a little bit, but I feel like no matter where the quarterback threw that ball, he was going to be able to intercept it. So I was impressed by him. Uh, But flipping back over to the offense, Stetson Bennett, obviously impressive, but I do think he gives you something JT Daniels doesn't. And what we saw on Saturday was them moving the pocket a lot more with Stetson Bennett because he's super comfortable throwing on the run, and he's a relatively agile guy. Right. Like, he feels comfortable throwing on the run. I thought even booting him out to the left and having him throw back across his body on some of those flood concepts, Mm -hmm. Stetson Bennett... Looks real comfortable. Again, it's, it's against UAB, and like you and I could have made some of the throws to some of those wide-open dudes. But Stetson Bennett gives you a different element in that offense that JT Daniels than JT Daniels does. Am I saying there's a quarterback controversy? No. Am I saying all of a sudden you should feel more comfortable about the depth of your quarterback room? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and should you feel more comfortable if, if something happens? later in the year or if or if JT Daniels is having a terrible game or something like that. I yep. mean, that that's what going into it and and what I was trying to say later in the week, I, I certainly wasn't saying saying he, he was going to start or take over or anything like that. But the fact that with the experience and with what Stetson Bennett has already shown in a University of Georgia jersey uh, against great football teams like uh, against uh, like go back and look at the first half against Alabama like like you bring up. I mean, 
there are a number of college football teams that would take him in a heartbeat as their starting quarterback, not For just sure. as their backup, as their starting quarterback. Honest so, question. Honestly, got a question. If Stetson's at Penn State right now, I I would be rooting for him to start. I would root for anybody to start at Penn State right now, other than what we have. <laughs> I'm so, I hope he sees it. Uh, I mean, uh, Sean Clifford does not look great, man. It's very frustrating. It's fair. Anyway, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Stetson guy, especially uh, if you were to put his name in the transfer portal. But I, I know, I know. Oh, yeah, I wonder if he has another year now with the extra year of eligibility. Maybe, man. He's already at like 19. That's true. And <laughs> all of a sudden, if JT Daniels has the season that he's hoping to have, and he gets the draft, the draft look he hope he's hoping to have, then all of a sudden, do we have a legitimate conversation about like? Super senior Stetson Bennett coming back next year when you have Brock Vandegrift and Carson Beck and all these all these quote unquote elite recruits coming in versus the guy that's won a lot of football games. Yeah, I mean, again, the only two <laughs> losses Stetson Bennett has right now the quarterback is at Alabama and to Florida, and I don't know if anybody was stopping that offense last year. Nobody did. I mean, Alabama sure didn't in right. the SEC championship. Uh, and that's kind of the barometer. I mean, for- how many how many quarterbacks would take that across college football? It's like, yeah, I'm undefeated in every game except for. When I started against Florida and Alabama, almost everyone. I right. mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, and that's what I, I think we got very. I think a, a lot of fans, and naturally, naturally, you you lose a game and you want to see everybody else. But I just I think people got very impatient with with him last year, very very quickly. I do I do I think, think there were some flaws for sure, but I think there's a ceiling. I'll say to Stetson. Yeah. And you're hoping that, and and you're you're not going to win a national championship with a quarterback with a ceiling. Right, I guess is my point. And there's a, a ceiling that we can see to Stetson where all of a sudden the defense starts tightening up and those passing lanes get real tight. That's when all of a sudden you see it, it kind of go off the rails a little bit. Like Alabama last year, first half, slinging it around. And he is the anti-JT Daniels. JT Daniels, super analytical, yeah. is going to pick right. apart a defense before the snap. Stetson Bennett's going to trust his arm and just sling it. And he's going to trust it. And it works out sometimes. Or in the second half, like we saw against Alabama with the interceptions, it's yeah. not going to work out. Right. And so I think the decision goes there where it's, yeah, we've won with Stetson, but we kind of see a ceiling. JT Daniels, your hope is he has that first-round pick pedigree to him, and you're hoping your ceiling as an offense is higher. But I haven't seen Georgia's offense look better than that in a while. Yeah. Again, UAB, everyone kind of making the joke, UAB is a good team. They're they're defending champions from their conference. Yeah, yeah. There's a no. There's a lot of offenses that wouldn't have scored 56 points yeah. against them. No, you're you're right. You're right. No, I just I just uh, it's like we talked 35 about 35 points the show. and a half. I just feel like you, you put the Houdini trick on. Uh, no, trick on I, I I Houdini well, trick myself. Like Kevin said, as Georgia fans, we're always going to talk up the opponent, and we're always going to say like I'm worried about South Carolina this week. Right. Because what happens? What happens the last time South Carolina came to Athens? Bad things. Bad things. Yeah. Like three interceptions to one guy, bad things. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I will it's talk myself. It's an anomaly, though. Yeah, Georgia folks will talk themselves into any. Is it an anomaly, or is it something Georgia does every year? Because that's what we're waiting on. I'm pretty we're sure. We're always waiting on that other shoe. One of the most accurate and efficient guy quarterbacks in the country and, and in his career, throwing three interceptions to one dude on one day is a pretty big anomaly. Like, but also not being able to run the ball. Yeah. Allowing their third string corner quarterback who was playing was he playing corner or wide receiver? I don't know. He One was of the two something. Joiner came in and, and played quarterback and picked you apart. He was playing winner that day. Yeah. Right? So that's what Georgia fans are worried about when South Carolina comes to town. Seven o'clock kick on that one. But again, big win for Georgia over UAB. Uh quickly here, Georgia Southern falls to one and one on the season. They get just smacked. 
by FAU, 38 to six. They actually had a six to nothing lead in this game. Uh, then it was all uh, college football fans will remember uh, and Kosi Perry, former Miami quarterback, now at FAU. Uh, he goes for 332 yards and four touchdowns against what was supposed to be a really good secondary for Georgia Southern. And then the offense obviously can't get it going. It's I I was talking before the season. I thought Georgia Southern, when they went to the new offense, would do something kind of innovative and new, or go back to what had worked before, which is a, like you know under center. Yeah running the football <laughs> right but instead they've gone up tempo and more spread and it's just it, it ain't working right now and it, it might yeah. get ugly ugly we'll against the Razorbacks so we'll see but we got more to come here we'll come back talk some NFL speaking of ugly uh Falcons and Jaguars do we have to no we got to <laughs> it's gonna be a rough segment coming up next but we have some things we got to talk about we'll do it next right here on ESPN Radio Savannah Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko wrapping up the football weekend. Big show on three and out coming up. Catch up with Brooks Austin from Dogs Daily on SI.com. Talk about Georgia's quarterback situation as JT Daniels continues to deal with an oblique injury. Will he get the start against South Carolina or will it be uh, the mailman? For two weeks in a row as Georgia opens up SEC play. We'll talk to Brooks about that. And then Matt Smith from SouthernPigskin.com will join us later in the show as well to recap the SEC weekend. But, PJ, we have, we're like contractually obliged to talk Falcons. Are you sure you don't want to just continue that thought? Like, dude, either way, whoever starts, they're going to have to outduel Zeb. Zebulia Nolan. Zeb, they're going to have to No, out-duel. we will save that for later this week. But right. Falcons just get manhandled by the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts comes out looking like a world beater. Yeah. Uh, Dev- Can we start here? The world works in mysterious ways, and sometimes <laughs> planets connect. Of course, Devonta Smith's first NFL touchdown reception is in the corner of the end zone on a go route at Mercedes-Benz. Some stories, man. Let's just say fade route. It's more of a fade than a go. But yeah. it's just corner of the end zone, beating a DB, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, touchdown, Devonta Smith. And he's even wearing number six. Yeah. I made that change and everything. I mean, that green starts to, starts to look a whole lot like uh, Alabama. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, no, Jalen, that, that was Jalen Hurts to Devonta Smith. Yeah, no, that's rough. I mean, just everything about it was, was, was tough, I'm sure. Some stories... They end, they end fantastic, and, and they end well. Some stories are just yeah. painful. Here's what I was and, hoping uh, to see with the Falcons. That's a painful one, I'm sure, for, uh, you, for you guys. Yeah, and here's what I was hoping to see with the Falcons was you wanted to win because it was the Eagles, and you didn't think they were going to be great, and that you made them look really good, like the class of uh, the NFC East. But you wanted to win, but I was hoping more so than that to see efficiency on offense, better red zone play, and just some toughness on defense. Mm-hmm. Just show a semblance of being tough. None of that happened. Right. You were super inefficient on offense. Your best threat was Cordero Patterson as a running back. Like That's how rough the, the running back's corps are. Mike Davis couldn't get anything going because the offensive line was getting manhandled. Jalen Mayfield got a 1.6 out of 100 grade as a pass blocker. Surprised he got a 1. Like a 1.6 out of 100 via PFF as a pass blocker. So your offensive line got manhandled. You had untimely penalties. Matt Ryan was throwing in a double coverage, but it's just because his guys couldn't get open. Yep. Like it was, it was a rough day for the Falcons. And 
I know Kevin's going to get on here and ride for the fact that it was rough because you didn't play any of your starters in preseason. I don't think anybody's getting faster or anybody's getting better at playing football by playing for three series in the preseason. Like you're you're not getting what twenty four points better. No, and uh, yeah, no, and uh, certainly like uh, I don't think the skill position guys again like going back to it. The skill position starters are the ones that we were like, oh, yeah. we're not seeing them in the preseason. It is what it is. Those weren't the guys that were the problem. Uh, that that were that. No, you just got whipped on both one. lines of scrimmage. Yeah, absolutely. But I will say this about Kyle Pitts: we were supposed to. We we're hearing all this stuff about how much fun the Falcons are going to have with Kyle Pitts and how they're going to use him in all these different ways: five yard out routes, yeah, three yard button hooks, two yard out route to the left, like super exotic. Sure. I, th- I think I was I saw one because uh, I watched a lot in the third quarter when I you know I watched I watched a lot of the game for sure but I watched a lot of the third quarter and there was one where he kind of went down the seam a little bit and Matt Ryan hit him over the middle and I was like ooh there, yeah there well, it but is but it was on what okay. like it was on like second and twenty yeah yeah exactly but then again then the next play you have a you know outside swing route to Mike Davis where he catches it and goes twenty yards and you have a pass interference penalty on Calvin Ridley where it's kind of a pick route, but yeah. then he lowers his this. shoulder How into the How the hell are you going to call back. a pick route on the Falcons when Devonta Smith's touchdown was the clearest pick foul you could you could run? Oh, I agree. They you literally ran their wide receiver into two DBs, and Devonta Smith ran behind. Yeah, him. you want some sort of consistency with that, but also if you're you're talking to your you know Alabama you know great wide receiver who's who's basically your number one, and you're running a, a pick concept with him, the last thing you want him to do is while the ball is in midair is throw his shoulder into the de- defensive back for no reason. Mike Davis had no one near him, and he's just like, all right, let, let me let me throw my shoulder into this, dude. There's there's no reason for that. So, right. no, you're right. I mean, there, there were inefficiencies and inconsistencies all, all the way around, um, you know, but at the end of the day, you got to be better up front. Mayfield obviously has got to be better. I think that 1.6 is probably how many blocks he had on the day, <laughs> which is not what you want. Yeah. Uh, and especially against – you you did have a comment earlier while we were talking, and it's never going to get better in the NFL. Like, you're always going to have a defensive lineman that, that's just nasty on the other side. But I will say, to have that combination where, where a guy plays that bad during the course of the day and you have – Honestly, one of the most underrated defensive lines I'll, in, I'll in the NFL. Yeah, I'll agree with that. With with uh, Butcher Cox is my but guy. Still, yeah. yeah, but still, I mean, it shouldn't have been that bad. Yeah, it was and rough. It was, it was it, rough it was for the Falcons. Bad. And I want to dive into the Jags real quick. Here's a couple points. Uh, Trevor Lawrence on the day when they lose 37 to 21 goes 28 for 51, 332 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Number one, you have a rookie quarterback throwing the ball 51 times. That's a mistake. Uh, number two, your leading rusher had nine carries on the day in Carlos Hyde. He had nine carries for 44 yards. Justin Robinson, who's your all-world running back last year, got five touches in the game. And if you want to talk about just baloney points, you were down massive in the second half and tacked on a couple of meaningless touchdowns right. where that game looks a whole lot worse than 37-21. I think it was, what, 31-7 to yeah. in the third quarter to the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. And it was rough. Yeah. The Jaguars, that was one of the ones I thought they might be able to steal. Jaguars, if I had to put my money down on somebody right now, are going to have the number one overall pick again next year because they, honest to God, looked worse than they did last year. Yeah. And, and that's this is one of those things where you harp on all the time, and I, I, I 
think it's great, so I'm going to steal it, is identity. Yeah. Now, offensively, it looked like you just came out and you're like, oh, Trevor Lawrence, we have him now. We're just going to throw the world on his shoulders from the word yeah. go. You can say that they were down and they were trying to make a comeback. That's why they were trying to throw so much. I get that. But if you go back and look at the beginning of the game, they had no intention of turning it around and, and easing into the offense, giving Robinson a chance. It was all, this is my two, Which is this wild. is my new toy. Let me play with it. Which is wild to me because Urban Meyer, <laughs> say what you will about the quarterbacks he's had, he's a running football coach. Absolutely, so this yeah. is This is wild to me. We it do have to take a break. Mind. We got to take a break. We're up against it. We'll come back. Final segment of second down next. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Got a big show coming up here on 3 and Out. Be joined by Brooks Austin from Dogs Daily of SI.com coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. Then the 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk with Matt Smith from SouthernPigskin.com as we recap the rest of the SEC. Also talking ACC football and, I mean, that talk about conferences. They're having a rough time. You thought NC State might be a top competitor after they shut out USF, well, they just go get smacked by a Mississippi State team that had to hang on to beat Louisiana Tech the week before. There's been a bunch of wild narratives going on in college football, and, and we're going to think see some of the contenders start to separate from, I don't want to say pretenders, but the rest of the pack, we'll say. And I think one of those games coming up, PJ, features your team, Auburn-Penn State. Then we're going to find out which one of those teams are for real. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about conferences in in america and and where they stand in the stack up with college football i think we'll figure out a lot about the big 10 in that game and and really their chances of making the college football playoff find out about florida as well this week as they host alabama so some big games coming up but three and out coming up next bj bennett ben troop kevin thomas recap what was a wild weekend in college football all that up next on espn radio